Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Rigger Podcast Network. Special Labor Day weekend edition is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Guess what? ZipRecruiter's technology and tools make hiring more efficient and more effective. Like this podcast where we're going to dance through football, a star is born, and divorce. Those are the three topics today. It's efficient, much like ZipRecruiter. Their powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And my listeners can try it for free. All you have to do is go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. We're also brought to you by SeatGeek. It is SeatGeek season right now. The best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. And we have a lot of sports coming up. College football, pro football, NBA is on the horizon, Major League Baseball, MLS. Oh, my God. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase, use promo code BS. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by the Dave Chang Show. That is a podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I went on there this week and it was with our friend David Cho, the street artist, who I've gotten in over the last year. Chang's been friends with for a long, long time. He's a complicated man. It's the most intense podcast I've ever been a part of. Um, it went on for over two hours. Two of the three people cried during the podcast. I, I can't even describe it. Uh, Cho is one of a kind. He has, uh, he has a lot of demons and he has exercised most of them. And we talked about all of them. And um, I, I don't know. I've never been in a podcast like that. So check that out. The Dave Chang Show, which has been very cool. Check out all of our Ringer podcasts. Network shows. Check out the rewatchables where we are dropping Taken, me and Shay Serrano. We're going to drop that on Monday. It's a little Labor Day present for you because there's going to be no BS podcast that day. On Tuesday, Cousin Sal and I are back. Guess the lines, week one. If you missed it, we did over unders for the AFC on my podcast and on Against All Odds on his podcast on Wednesday. Check that out. And don't forget to check out Ryan Russillo's new podcast, Dual Threat. I made an appearance on that one too, along with Todd McShay. That launched this week. That's going to be dropping on Tuesday nights during uh, the extended football season all the way through the beginning of January. Really good feedback for the first one. Keep the feedback coming. And coming up, we have, a, I, I'm excited for this one, Football with Robert Mays, talking to Stars Born with Amanda Dobbins, and then the Disso Queen herself, celebrity divorce lawyer, uh, Laura Wasser. This is, this is a really fascinating interview we did a couple of weeks ago. All that's coming up first, Pearl Jam. All right, on the line right now, the one, two, three kid, Robert Mays from TheRinger.com. He hasn't been on. He hasn't been on uh, really all summer. I don't know what you're doing this summer. You just disappear. You're in Chicago. Chicago during the summertime is one of the happiest places on the planet. How are you, Mays? You must be in a good mood. Football starting. You doing good? It took you 17 seconds to mention that I don't live in Los Angeles as we started this podcast. It's pretty good. You almost set a new record every time we talk. It's impressive. Well, you left you're, it. You were like you were like the Carl Lewis of bringing that up. <laughs> I'm really amazed. You left me. 
You left. You went back to the Midwest. You left your mentor, right. Bill Simmons. You left him behind. That's all right. We're still we still stay in touch every once in a while. It's great. Doing Somehow good stuff. I think you're gonna get by. I don't know. It'll be fine. Um, what are you most excited about with football now? Less than a week away. What are you most excited about? I just feel like there are so many offenses that are going to be a blast to watch. I mean, you look at so many teams around the league and just the level of quarterback play. I mean, consider the really good guys. I mean, we know Rodgers and Brady and whatever. Getting Rodgers back is so great. You know, the Saints are going to be high-flying again. And then just that second tier of guys. You know, if Wentz gets back healthy, if we get Watson for an entire season and he's even part of what he was a year ago, what Mahomes can be in Kansas City. There are just so many guys who are just like, God, there are going to be a lot of points in the NFL this year. And it just feels like that's not a place we've been recently. You know, we spend the first month usually complaining about how bad the quality is. And this time it just seems like we're going to have some decent offensive football from the get-go. And there are a lot of teams that I just cannot wait to watch every Sunday. You're contractually obligated by Ringer, uh, by the new Ringer bylaws. You didn't mention Savior Sam Darnold. You've listed off. Or, or Jimmy Garoppolo, which uh, or Jimmy G. missed opportunities there for me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll throw both of them in there. We have a new rule at the Ringer. If you list more than seven quarterbacks in any sentence on a podcast or in a com, you have to mention Savior Sam Darnold because he's the savior. It's the only thing Sean cares about. Well, we have, yeah, we have a couple Jets fans on staff and They've kind of taken over our NFL slack. Last year, the Eagles fans took it over, and now it's the Jets fans. And this Sam Darnold thing, it is like watching your buddy who has never had a girlfriend in his entire life all of a sudden getting laid by a supermodel and just in disbelief the entire time that his life has turned the way it has. That's how it's starting to feel with these Jets fans. What's the preseason version of a supermodel, though? It feels like we have to knock that down a peg because a supermodel would be like if he were winning week eight games against New England. He's not, though. I mean, th- this is not what's happening. I, I think he's going to be good. I've been very impressed. But I also think we have to take it back like two steps, all things considered. Mm. When the real games start, I'll get very excited. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think the quarterback, the new wave of quarterbacks combined with the fact that the old wave of quarterbacks just doesn't seem to be declining. We we have all the same guys we've had this whole decade, Brady and Breeze and Rogers and Phil Rivers and Big Ben. And these guys are all still kicking, but now you have the class underneath them that are, you know, that Alex Smith kind of era. And now you have all these new young guys. And I do think that's the best part of the season. The worst part of the season is all of this new rule stuff. And I, I've been very careful about not reading too much, not overreacting, not getting all fired up, not losing my mind about it. But it really does feel like we're hitting this crossroads of how do you play football? Are we there yet or are we two seasons away? I don't think we're quite there yet. I feel like people may have overreacted a tiny bit from the first couple weeks of the preseason. As I watched those games last week, I mentioned this on our show, there was a hit that Vontae Davis made in a game that was pretty bang bang and it was violent and they didn't throw a flag and that's the type of hit in the week one of the preseason they absolutely would have penalized so I think that they're kind of understanding how to call it now I just don't feel like it's going to be a huge devastating problem the way it seemed early on you know guys have been able to adjust to the rules they've put in before and I think we're going to be in the same boat here people are going to overreact to it at the beginning and then they're going to understand that there's a way to play the game in the margins and it's going to be fine well, we know we're going to overreact to however Philly Atlanta plays out on Thursday night. The Thursday night game, exactly. the Thursday night game is 
notorious now for you see the Super Bowl rings and then just the parade of takes right afterwards as people try to figure out what it meant for the big picture of the season and overreacting to the team that lost and overreacting to the game being ugly. And we just go nuts. And then by Sunday, there's 12 more games and we completely forget about the Thursday game. So I'm not going to do that this year. I'm just going to enjoy the game and be happy about it. I really have to make a conscious effort, even like three or four weeks into the season to just say, do not react to what's happening. Do not react to what is going on right now. Remember when the Saints were just absolutely garbage for two weeks at the beginning of the season? Yeah. I mean, there are just so many things that happen in those first two to three weeks that have no bearing on what goes on for the next several months. And it just requires some self-control that I don't always have because the season is so short and we've waited so long for it to start. And we have a week between each game that each time there's a result, we just want to have it be such a tell-all about what's going on. But that's just not how football works. And as I've covered the league more and more, it's not become any easier, but I've realized that it's more important. I guess that's what I would say. The one thing I would say is pretty consistent year after year is somebody we don't expect gets off to a good start because of an easy schedule and they win one lucky game or one game they shouldn't have won or surprise win or whatever. And all of a sudden they're three and oh or four and one. And, and usually that does carry, I would say maybe four out of every five times you will see like that, that just feels like we saw it last year at the Rams. It just, at some point it became pretty clear the Rams were going to be good. Who do you think yeah, that team is? Example. Who do you think that team is this year? That's a good question. I was listening to you and Cousin Sal earlier today. I don't know the schedules inside and out oh, solely because when I do my power rankings each year, it's more based on the quality of the roster and how good I think the team is, not necessarily where they'll finish. Yeah. But it just seems like, I don't know. I mean, the teams that could take a really big jump just overall in quality because of the new coaches or whatever. I mean, I feel like the Bears have a chance to be better than we thought at the beginning just because they were so bad last season. If I'm trying to find a parallel with last year's Rams. Yeah. But I, I don't know who the hot team is just based on schedule alone. You guys, you've done those over-unders. Who has the easiest schedule coming out? There was a couple. I I think they're, the the it really depends on the division. So you look at a team like the Jets and you know they have four games against the Dolphins and the Bills and they're playing a last place schedule and that whole thing and Maybe there's a roadmap for them. I think, um, what was it? The Chicago is seems to be the consensus sleeper for a team like a team that parallels the Rams in a lot of different ways from last year. But the fact that they're a consensus makes me not, not a consensus, but that they're getting a lot of buzz for that. Usually, that's not how this works. It's usually, it's really usually a team that nobody sees coming. Like even the Browns are getting sleeper buzz, and that by the way, that's absurd. But um, but even that, they're getting buzzed. So it's got to be somebody we don't see coming. So maybe flip it around the other way. Which five teams do you feel the worst about? Buffalo, I think, is probably my, my worst team. Hmm. Just because I think that the infrastructure there is such garbage. I mean, that offensive depth chart around Josh Allen, whoever plays quarterback, it's ugly, man. There's nothing to like about that. And it's kind of makes me worried about Josh Allen's development this year. I don't think he's very good, period, but he's shown some flashes in the preseason. I just don't think he'll have any help. Yeah. The receiving core is just barren. The line is maybe the worst in the NFL outside of Houston. So that team is just really hard to get excited about. Their secondary is fun. You know, I like Jordan Poyer. I like Micah Hyde. 
I like Jadavius White. Did they take the ball away? That's a really good group. But outside of that, that team is not good anywhere else. Staying in the AFC East, I am not excited about Miami. I mean, you look at what happened with the Dolphins. They probably lost over the last couple off seasons their best players. And yeah. they were 6-10 and 10 last year. However you feel about Ndamukong Sue and Jarvis Landry, and I do think that Jarvis Landry is limited, and I do think Ndamukong Sue is overpaid, whatever, that was a 6-10 and 10 team that arguably lost their most talented guy on each side of the ball. Not Why good. will they be better? What did they do this offseason to say, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to be a better team than 6-10 and 10 in 2018? I think they're going to take a step back, if anything. So those two I'm extremely worried about. I just did these. I don't know why they're not on the top of my head. I'm not as down on the Browns as you are. I think that my hesitance there is 100% about the coaching staff. Yeah. I just feel like this is going to be one of the years where we watch that team and you see guys like Joku pop and maybe Peppers playing closer to the line is better. Garrett turns into kind of a star. You know, They've got some solid middle of the defense players that were really good last year too at linebacker and on the interior. It's like, Man, they have some decent players. I just wish this was a real coaching staff. It's going to take me like three weeks before that just becomes the thing that annoys me most about this NFL season. So like you said with Cousin Sal, I think that the Colts are definitely a wild card. I mean, if in terms of overall roster quality, they're definitely near the bottom. But if luck is healthy, then I think that he might be able to pick them up a little bit. The other team that's not far away from that, that I think could 100% have the year from hell is Seattle. If yeah. Russell Wilson misses three or four games, if this is the year where he gets dinged up a little bit, that guy has been able to avoid serious injury in a way that makes absolutely zero sense when you consider the pounding he takes. And if he misses time, we're going to see just how bad that roster is because outside of him, it's right there near the bottom of the league. I mean, the offensive line may be better this year. They have a different offensive line coach, which I, I guess is a step in the right direction. But that defense is just not that talented. We're just going to pencil them in because they're the Seahawks, but that's not right. If they have any sort of hiccup with Wilson, then I feel like that team could cruise to four and 12 in a top three pick pretty easily. And yet that's the case for them to be a sleeper. Everybody has written them off completely, which as you know, that's one of the signs you got to look at. And I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the punter. I haven't, I haven't Googled deep dive a punter. I can't even remember the last time. The, the pinning. He's like the best player on the team outside of Wilson. It's he's, amazing. He's the best player in football. I think he might be the best player ever. He's just pinning 60-yard punts inside the five-yard line like it, like he's playing darts or something. It would be really funny if they were just terrible but continued to pull out these weird games because of Wilson and the punter and the coach. And and we're just all looking at each other like, the Seahawks are 6-2 and two and they're awful. How is this happening? I could totally see that. You could talk me into that. The same thing for the Colts. I could see if Luck just comes back and he's really good and he has, takes this garbage team and, you know, they're seven and four after 11 weeks. We don't know what's going on. Is there, uh, is there any other, you think Seattle has a chance to be really bad? Is there another NFC team other than maybe Tampa that you think has a chance to just stink? Arizona. I mean, I think they're in such a transition. I don't know how that defense is going to look. I really like the coordinator they used to have there, James Betcher. I thought that he did a great job post-Bowls. And they've really lost a lot of talent on that side of the ball. I'm just penciling them in and just saying, hey, that's going to be a solid to above-average defense. That's what the Cardinals are. I think that's too fast. And offensively, 
what are they going to be? I mean, it's Sam Bradford, Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson, and what? Their offensive line's already hurt. It's a group that's not good to begin with. So that team is very much in flux, and they could absolutely be a disaster. Tampa's the easy one, though. I mean, there's so much going on with that team. If I had to pick my four worst right now, in some order, it would probably be Buffalo, Miami, Tampa, and Arizona. Interesting. I think I have three of those four. I'm not, I'm not positive Miami should be in there, even though I don't think they're good. I think there, there's, I think I got to say, I think there's an outside chance Dallas could crack that top four. They're right up there for me. I'm in the process of doing I my think power rankings stink. right now. They will be surprisingly high. I think they're surprisingly low considering how you think about it. That there's year from hell potential. I also, that division might be pretty good. There's a chance, you know, who's your favorite? Who do you think is the strongest division? If you had to rank, you, let's give me your top, your number one, your number two, top to bottom divisions. Who would you have? I feel like the NFC South is, is pretty good. I mean, those top three teams are really solid. I think that Atlanta and the, Saints are up there with anybody in terms of a one-two in any division. The NFC North is in that conversation to me. I mean, Minnesota is arguably the strongest team in the league uh, when you consider their 22 guys on both sides of the ball. I think that their defense is going to be really good again. Their offensive <laughs> line concerns me, but I hopefully Cousins can make up for whatever they lose You know, with having some issues at center and guard. The AFC South, I don't know if it's the strongest division, but I know that there's no easy wins in that division if luck is right. Yeah. It's just going to be an annoying division where all those teams beat each other up because I think Houston has a chance to be really good. I, I know that the line is just a mess, and with a guy coming back from a torn ACL, that gives you pause, but they were a mess last year. It may be hard for them to be worse than that, and he was able to kind of mitigate that with the way he moves around, the way he extends. I just am all in on Watson. If he's healthy, then that has a chance to be a dynamic offense, period. And the defense is going to get healthy. Whatever you feel about Watt. And I think that even if he's 85% of what he used to be, that's one of the better defensive players in the league. You bring him back, merciless, clowny. And I honestly think if Tyron Matthew can get some time there, and really put in a healthy season, he's going to be a game changer for them. So if they go back to like a top five offense, the same way they were two years ago, and then Watson is what he was last season or something close to it, even if there's some statistical regression, that's a borderline playoff team. Tennessee, I think, is really talented. Me too. I think they did a really good job of assembling that team. I like the guys they got in the first and second round. I think the the Harold Landry, the guy they got from Boston College, has a chance to really affect some games. They're deep at that spot. They got in. They brought Rashad Evans or Rashawn Evans in. Their secondary is expensive. I mean, they've spent a lot of money on that group. And even losing Cyprian, I think that their corners are solid enough. So if that defense plays the way I think it can, and the other part, underrated part of them, they brought in Dean Pease, who's the defensive coordinator in Boston or Baltimore for years, and I really like him. I think he's a fantastic defensive play caller. And him just walking in there and taking over a very talented group, that has a chance to work out really well. And then it's all about the offense. If they can somehow get the most out of Mariota, if they can bring Matt LaFleur in, he can run that kind of Shanahan-y, McVay, play-action-based system that seems to really fit Mariota's talents, pair that with the receivers they have, that, could, that team could take a huge offensive jump very fast. But they weren't... a total mess last year so we're not talking about them the same way we're talking about the bears or 
a team that just desperately needed a new coach. But I do think they were so mismanaged yeah. that it could be a similar sort of leap. I haven't finalized. We did all the over-unders. I did the ones I was leaning for and the ones I thought were locks. But we realized as we were almost done with the NFC pod that we were running it back too much, which we talked about in the pod. We were like, we have the eight division champs. We all think they're going to be good again. And I'm really trying to, I want to end up with a couple of new division champs. And even though I like Jacksonville, I really thought Tennessee was talented last year. And I'm with you. I thought they were one of the worst coached, decent to good teams that we had, maybe even the worst. And I really like Mike Vrabel. I think he's going to be a good coach. And I think I've talked myself into that's my AFC South team. So a lot of it depends on Mariota being healthy. I could see them winning the division. Them and Houston. I, I could see both of them winning it. Jacksonville's tough for me. I love the defense. They're so fun. They were one of the best parts of watching football last year. But we've just seen this before. Even when you're that talented, it's hard to maintain def defensive dominance year in and year out. Mm. You know, really, the guy who can stave it off is a, is a coordinator like Wade Phillips. And he's not there. I think they're good. I think Todd Wash is a good coach. But two elements there. One, again, it's hard to just maintain that sort of level defensively. And two, they were unreasonably healthy on defense last year. I believe they missed two starts combined from their 11 starters, and that was Telvin Smith's concussion. That does not happen from year to year. Mm. And it's not as if they went out and had all these depth signings because they don't have any money to do that. This is a team that's pretty up against it. So if they get hurt on defense a little bit more this year, which seems likely then there's no way that defense can carry the offense, which I feel like is going to struggle. You know, I know last year they were fine. They're going to run the ball as often as they can, but we really saw in that second half of the AFC Championship game where Bortles can take you if you really make him beat you. Yeah. And I just feel like that's exactly what a lot of teams are going to do. Their ceiling is so limited, and if the defense can't control games, then I feel like they're going to struggle to get to that 11-12 win mark that some people see for them. I will say, as somebody who rooted against them in that game because they were playing my team, I did feel like the Jaguars were afraid to let Bortles take them, and that was why they lost. The Pats were basically like, our last chance is for, is for them to say, we have a chance to put this game away with Blake Bortles, and you're going to have to do that. God bless. And Jacksonville just wouldn't do it. They just didn't trust them. And they were so predictable in that second half. I thought they gave the game away. I thought that was one of the luckiest Pats playoffs. When I said that at the time. I just don't think that Pats team was good enough to make a Super Bowl. Um, so maybe they missed their window. I, The Marquise Lee thing, it's not like he's Antonio Brown either, but he, the fact that he was important to them kind of tells you where they were from, uh, from a weapon standpoint. It's going to be tough for them to score. Hold on, we're going to take a break. Hey, did you get the Yahoo Sports app yet? Are you ready for live football on your phone? With the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you get live, local, and primetime NFL games all season long. Never miss your local game. Never miss a big national matchup. All you need is the Yahoo Sports app. Seriously, go get the app. It's your ticket to watching live NFL games wherever you want. That sounds like something I'll be doing at various soccer fields in Southern California on Sundays this year. No subscriptions. No fees. All football. All yours. At the tap of an app, watch live NFL games on the Yahoo Sports mobile app. Check it out. And since we're here, I wanted to mention my friend Jalen Rose, who has had a school, the Jalen Rose Leadership Academy, for the last five, 
five or six years. I can't even remember how long it's been at this point. He does good stuff for, for his community. The Ringer is actually sponsoring four students of JRLA for this, uh, for this school year. Um, he's one of the best people I know. He really gives a crap about where he came from and had a, and just had to help kids and all that stuff. There is a JRLA annual online auction right now. You can place your bids. It expires on Friday at 7 p.m. ET. So you'll you'll hear, you'll probably hear the podcast by then. All you have to do is go to jrla2018.givesmart.com. jrla2018.givesmart.com. And there's a bunch of cool stuff on there, a bunch of sports memorabilia, all that stuff. And if you're feeling gay and you're feeling charitable, um, give something to Jalen School because he is giving a bunch of kids in the Detroit area uh, a chance to get a real good education. Um, you've seen LeBron. He opened the I Promise School in Cleveland this year. This is something that uh, athletes gave him back. This is something Jalen um, has been at the forefront of. He's one of the founding fathers of this whole thing. Uh, created his own school, launched it, runs it, and it's doing great stuff. So check out that website. Congrats to Jalen. Love you, buddy. Miss you, buddy. All right. Back to the uh, podcast. All right. Let's blow through this really quick, Maze. Jimmy G, you believe or no? Yeah, absolutely. I do. Okay. It's a combination. I believe in him and I believe in Shanahan. Uh, I feel like that pairing is just something to bet on. If you had to, like Scotty J with Dirk Diggler's Corvette and you asked another man to kiss, to kiss them on the mouth and it had to be QB, Jimmy G or Aaron Rodgers? Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, you know how I feel about Rodgers. Okay. It's a whole different... I mean, for, all, for all my Jimmy G love and for as good as I think he's going to be there, I, I think Rodgers is an entirely different plane and I've long believed that. So you would get, if Rogers got a red Corvette, you would also get a red Corvette. You'd get a matching. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, are no, we sh- I, I, that outfit he was wearing yesterday with like the cowboy hat and yeah. the mustache. I'm actually wearing that to a wedding this weekend. Smart, smart. He's ma- he's going to make $67 million this year. You might as well. I, I like, you know, normally you're a Bears fan. Normally when somebody like Rogers is in your division, just kicking your ass for 10 straight years, normally you resent, hate that person, wish them ill. You've gone the opposite way. It's like you're Jedi mind tricking him with your uh, respect and love and admiration. And I don't think it's working. Well, what I, am I supposed to do? I don't know. Maybe more hate. Maybe I, maybe a couple hit pieces. Maybe start some shit. Yeah, there's no way I could do that in good faith. I, I mean, he has, he's swayed me. I, I mean, the guy is undeniable. I, I, there's, it would be just completely, I don't even know how you could muster that like level of delusion to look at that guy and say, yeah, he's not that good. Like I've just leaned into it because there's no other choice. Yeah. It's tough for me to look at it logically because the greatest quarterback of all time has been exactly. on my team. So like looking at the other mortals, it's been hard, but uh, I do respect Rogers. I think he's been, uh, he's, he's probably the most all around talented quarterback we've had. I think he brings the most to the table. If we, if, if you and I created some checklist and we put like 20 quarterback traits on there and we had to rank the quarterback from one to 10 and whatever the 20 traits were, I think he would score the best, right? He is the most physically gifted quarterback I have ever seen. Yeah. I've never seen a player do what he can at quarterback, put the ball where he can, the arm strength, the mobility, the accuracy. I mean, he's never, no one has ever played the quarterback position the way that Aaron Rodgers does just from a pure spectacle standpoint. 
Yeah. And he's won five times less Super Bowls than Tom Brady. So suck it, Aaron Rodgers. Well, yeah, that's the thing. The fact that t- the number one just thing in Aaron Rodgers' resume, like that would should be on his Hall of Fame bust, is that he drags Mike McCarthy to 10 wins every year. Yeah. There's nothing you could say about him that's more impressive. I, I actually have one more thing to say that's more impressive than he he threw two he completed two Hail Marys in the same season. I will never yeah. gonna see that again. Who's doing three? First of all, like two is gonna be the record for the rest of our lives, but whether Who's we even see two? two again would be amazing. But nobody's doing three, and I think two will stand the test of time. We'll see. Two Hail Marys in one season. Uh the Rams, you buying or selling? I'm buying. I, I again, I believe in McVay. I, I just think they're so well coached. I love their offense. They put those guys in such a position to succeed. They brought the whole group back. I was talking to Les Snead about this when I was there, and we were just discussing kind of the thought process behind the Brandon Cooks trade. And they essentially said we needed to go out and do something that brought our entire offense back piece for piece from last year. And that's what they saw with Cooks. It's like, all right, he's going to do what Watkins did just better. And that's the priority that they put on it because they knew how important it was to get that group back in its entirety. So if you think about that offense being sustainable, even if you have concerns about how good golf is in a vacuum, we don't do this in a vacuum. He gets McVay every week. I think the defense with Phillips, with the guys they brought in, it has a chance to absolutely wreck games. More and like Sue is, we forgot how good he is. We forgot how good Indomitian Sue is. And now he lines up next to Aaron Donald. Like that is going to be unfair. Yeah, the sexiest narrative to pick right now, and I'm I'm fighting it off because I do not believe in the Chargers coaching staff at all, but, so, and somebody will do it. Somebody's going to be like, it's time. It's going to be an LA versus LA Super Bowl, baby. I'm on the record right now and they'll play it up and they'll write a big piece about it. And it's just a smart, it's a smart angle to then hope that it happens. And then you can tell everybody, I told you. So the LA versus LA, I, t- I tried to tell you it was going to happen. But it it does seem like it's in play, which leads to my last my next question: Are you believing the Chargers hype machine? To a degree, I guess that's what I'd say. And, and here's what I'll, I, I the caveat of that is: I agree with you. I mean, you look at some of their numbers last year with tendency predictability. I mean, they ran the ball on first and ten at an alarming rate. Yeah, and you look at some of the best teams and what they do. I wrote about this today. You know, kind of the traits and the characteristics that the best, smartest offenses in the league have, they don't do that. I mean, they're throwing the ball out of those heavy formations in order to just get easy chunks. The Chargers don't put themselves in easy scenarios on offense, and that worries me. But I do think their talent is such that they can overcome it at pretty much every turn. I mean, I looked at last year, and I said before the year, I thought the Eagles had the best roster in the NFL top to bottom. Just overall talent, I thought they were number one. And I think right now, the Chargers are in that conversation. Wow. There are so few parts of that roster where you sit there and say, they're just not good there. And even with the injuries, because you lose Jason Verrett, but their corners are already good. They didn't play with Jason Verrett last year. Yeah. If Bosa's healthy, you have Bosa and Ingram. I think that the linebackers are fine. Getting Derwin James and just dropping a buzzsaw into their defense is huge. They're... They have the deepest group of receivers in the league. Melvin Gordon is pretty darn good. I think their line has a chance to be a lot better with getting Forrest Lamp back, bringing Pouncey in. And Rivers, I know you have your issues with him, but I've always thought he was really good, and I still do. I just think he masks a lot of issues on a team. I do think he's really good. I just think he has a tendency to snatch defeat from victory. 
It's just that that's fair. been a recent thing with them. More likely to stumble this year in a surprising way, the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Minnesota Vikings? The Steelers, I think. I mean, you have a first-year play caller, which even if you think the guy's going to be good, you know, that's something to consider. And it just feels like Roethlisberger's getting up there in age. It's Bell's last year there. And it could go off the rails. I don't think it will, but that's the type of situation overall where it's like, eh, I don't know. I mean, there are elements there that could be complicated. And then with Minnesota, it's two things. One, they're in a similar boat that Jacksonville was. They were extremely healthy on defense last year. Mm. Like, to a ridiculous degree. I think it was a similar thing. Sandejo might have missed two games, and that's it. So if you assume they're going to be a little more banged up, they're not that deep again because they've had to pay everybody. And then the offensive line worries me. You know, if that group just starts to crumble, we've seen this year in and year out. Nothing makes a season go south faster than an offensive line falling apart. And when yeah. you're going into a season and you already have injuries and concerns there, when you're making trades for the Giants' backup center two weeks before the year starts, that's the type of stuff that can be a red flag. All right. You're a Bears fan. There's some Bears sleeper buzz. It seems like even you're buying into this. I'm, I actually have a stopwatch out. Nephew Kyle can see the stopwatch. See I'm giving you 45 seconds to make the case for the Bears. Ready, set, go. The defense is going to be what it was last year. It's a solid group. Vic Fangio is an excellent coordinator. They brought all the corners back. I really like Akeem Hicks. Their safeties can really change games. You know, Amos and Jackson are guys that can just swing a half on a single play. And those are the type of guys you need when maybe your pass rushers aren't as solid as you would hope. On offense, there's only one way to go, and that's up. Mitchell Trubisky, they're going to run a ton more RPOs. It really fits his style. Allen Robinson is a star when healthy. They completely retooled the receiving core. Tariq Cohen fits right into that role that Tyreek Hill filled with the Chiefs last year. Eight seconds. Trey Burton has a chance to emerge. Three seconds. It's just an entirely revamped receiving core to what it was a season ago. Are you going to miss John Fox? No. Good Lord, no. I'm not sure I've ever enjoyed a Chicago sports coaching figure worse by the end than John Fox. Mm. Good luck, John Fox. Good luck, sweet prince. Uh, You love football, I think, as much as anyone I've ever met. And especially you love really mundane shit like pull blocks from left guards and you're studying the line. I remember one time we were watching it's all true. We were watching football. You'll let out like these orgasmic squeals because somebody got pancaked. Give me your give me your top five just favorite players right now. The Robert Mays all Marshall Yondo when he's healthy. Okay. I mean, he, in my opinion, he's the best guard of his generation. He he's been a stalwart for the Ravens for years. He missed most of last season. He'll be back this year, which is so fun. I mean, what when he's right? I, I just feel like there's nobody that plays the game on on the defensive line quite like he does. I mean, playing inside, playing out. Donald's there too. I mean, nobody makes me yelp at this point as often as Aaron Donald does. I wrote last year during the playoffs that he was the best player in the NFL at any position, and I maintain that. I just don't think – People affect the game from the defensive line like he can. And watching him do it week in and week out and having Phillips just unleash him has been so incredibly fun. Jalen Ramsey's up there for me. I know that's a different kind of guy, Mm. but I just feel like, again, we have a shortage of players in the league that actually make this enjoyable, and he's definitely in that list. And staying on, like, non-linemen, I've always loved watching Keenan Allen. 
from the time he got into the league, I just think that he's such a pure player. He's, in my opinion, the coolest route runner in the league. He ran a 4-7 coming into the NFL, and he's somehow been dominant just because of how good he is at manipulating the game in the margins. So those are like my all-stars. That's tough. I mean, those are the five I'd rattle off instantly, but that's a list that I would have to spend some time curating. That's not easy. That feels like I just gave you a column idea. It, it would take me t- like six months to write because I'd never be able to cure, like whittle it down to the five guys. <laughs> Who is your best... Who's your best up and coming awesome blocker that you're super excited about? That's a really good question. I don't know. You put me on the spot. I, I'm not. I, There's no new guy. There's no bit. new 330 pounder that you love the way he's pulling out. Oh, on the- Quentin Nelson. Okay. Oh, Quentin Nelson. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. I'm, that that should have been easy. Oh my God. The guy that Colts drafted in the, in the top 10. Yeah. I mean, the guy from Notre Dame. I cannot watch. I, I cannot wait to watch him every week. Okay. That dude is going to ruin people. Yeah. He's number one by far. All right. You can hear you're going to be on the Ringer NFL show Sunday nights right after uh, yep. the Sunday night game. You and Kevin Clark. And then once again, uh, are you, what's the other one? Thursday mornings? Thursday morning. And then we'll put it out a little bit Thursday or a little bit later in the day on Thursday. Wow. You're doing great, Mace. Um Thanks, and by the way, pizza day, and we did have the Chicago pizza piece. So we're looking out for you, even though you don't live here. I know. Nibs wrote about Jardinera, and that night I actually ordered pizza with Jardinera on it. I, I couldn't restrain myself. That's I do, how good of a job she did. I do think we raised the pizza spending, um, whatever the normal Tuesday would have been. I think we must have raised it by 12% because it was hard to read those articles and then not want pizza. I somehow, Every single Ringer staffer I talked to ordered pizza that day or the next day. Yeah, in New York, they ordered it the next day. It's yeah, it's it's just really hard to read about pizza like that and then not want to have pizza. Mace, yeah, th- it's not thanks, fair. thanks for coming on, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thanks, bud. See ya. Let's talk about Starbucks Double Shot. Starts with bold Starbucks coffee blended with milk for a smooth, creamy, delicious flavor. It's enhanced with ginseng, guarana, and B vitamins. Double Shot available in six delicious flavors: mocha, vanilla, hazelnut, white chocolate, coffee. Mexican mocha, it's an energy coffee drink that not only tastes great, but gives you the energy to go from point A to point done. Listen, we all need energy. I did two podcasts today, and I'm about to do a four-hour ringer fantasy football draft. I'm taping this on a Thursday. You know what? I'm going to need energy. I need the Starbucks double shot. Energy to do things you actually do. Find it in your local convenience store. And speaking of stores, check out the ringer.com slash shop. A bunch of our t-shirts, stickers. You can put kids going back to school. You can put stickers of our different podcasts on on your laptops, on your trunk. People still use trunks going back to college. You have, uh, we have sweatshirts, a whole bunch of great stuff. If you love The Ringer, show, show us some love. It's not like we're trying to make a kajillion dollars here on Ringer Merchandise. We just want that stuff out there. We want you guys to wear it. We have a great site. We have had an awesome summer. And trying to spread the word a little bit. So check it out, theringer.com slash shop. Coming up right now, Amanda Dobbins. All right, Amanda Dobbins from The Ringer is here. Hi, She Bill. runs culture for us. Do. Every once in a while, we get excited at The Ringer and you can feel it building early in the Slack. You know something's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, this happened with The Star is Born. It, oh, yes. it went from parody and disbelief 
to, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to a little curiosity mm-hmm. to all of a sudden something shifted and now it's our most anticipated movie of the year. We don't know what's going to happen. It might be a train wreck. It might be fantastic. I can't remember a movie like this. Yeah, that's true. I think it's certainly the most anticipated movie of the fall for us. It's important to note that that anticipation still does contain skepticism, curiosity, irony, fascination, (laughs) humor. There is so much going on here and it's only August. We have like a full month before the movie is actually released. I don't know if all of this was intentional on a promotional standpoint, but it's been brilliant. Lady Gaga, no makeup. Bradley Cooper with the hair that we don't know hair extensions, right? I honestly have no idea what to make of that hair situation because once it's combed back like that, I don't know. It could be like a long plug comb over. I don't know. Who knows? Might be a wig. Uh, It's great. Uh, The little morsels we've been able to hear about how Bradley Cooper studied Eddie Vedder, spent time with Eddie Vedder and modeled his character after Eddie Vedder. I just have... That should have been its own documentary that should have accompanied the movie Bradley Cooper and Eddie Vedder hanging out. I think it still could be. That's the other thing to keep in (laughs) mind is like we're literally we're on day two of their official press release tour. Yeah. And it doesn't come out until early October. So and by all accounts, they're going for it. They clearly both want Oscars. I think you're you may well get your documentary. You honestly could get a documentary series. Bradley Cooper. I was going to go look it up online, but I I can recite it almost from memory at this point. Can't wait. He did this really fascinating interview. We talked about it a little bit when we did the rewatchables mm-hmm. um, with the Wedding Crashers. But um, did this thing about how he always knew he wanted to direct. Yes. And he talked to Clint. We called oh, Clint, boy. meaning yeah, Clint sure. Eastwood, one of the great actors of all time. Right. When Clint and him did Sniper. Yeah, of course. Not American Sniper, Sniper. Mm-hmm. It's shortened now mm-hmm. because it's been in part of their life. Talked to Clint, asked when you know, it's time to direct. And Clint had done Play Misty for me in like 1971. He was like 43. So Cooper filed that one away. And he's like, Clint was 43 when he directed. That's when I'll direct. Yeah. And it was both incredibly arrogant, but I like the confidence. The Um, familiarity. Him and Clint just in the same sentence now, apparently. Uh, But maybe they should be. I I don't know. I don't know. I think we don't know yet, which is the really clear thing. Because it seems like... The trailer, what are your feelings about the trailer? So I have a lot of feelings. Yeah. Let's go backwards. Okay. Let's hold this current A Star is Born and go all the way back. Oh, boy. Um, My parents both like Streisand. Okay. I love Streisand as a kid. I'm so glad we're going to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's up, Doc? Yeah. Um, The the way we were. A, a classic. What was the other one they did? Funny Girl. Well. Funny Girl. I, I wasn't Funny Girl. Okay. I was too young. The What's Up Doc was my first favorite movie, which I don't know if I've ever confessed to my pod. (laughs) I made my mom take me to it like four different times. I just loved it. And uh, I liked the cars and Mm -hmm. we had a car, like one of the cars in there. So we love Streisand. And so that movie came out in like 76. It's like right when I'm old enough to start remembering stuff. And I remember feeling like this was this huge movie. Mm -hmm. I had no idea Chris Christopherson really wasn't that famous. The movie kind of made him famous. But it was during this time when... uh, when they really were able to push stuff out with this whole mechanism, People Magazine and Rolling right. Stone, and um, you could do a Saturday Night Fever and Rocky and all these different movies. And this felt like a huge movie. And I remember thinking at the time, 
I think we actually, I saw it in the theater, yeah. which is kind of weird because it's, yeah. it's, it's a little racy, but um, it's been on recently, which is why I bring this up. It's on Netflix. I watched it this week. So I watched it a week ago. It was on yeah. like one of the HD movie channels I get on, on Comcast. It's both really good and it's one of the worst movies of all time. And there's kind of both at the same time. I had to turn it off. You it couldn't was, stand it. it. Was a I was like, this is a disaster. I think that I had seen at least clips of it before, but I had not watched it as an adult. And I, a couple things that I should clarify. Really, really showy singing makes me physically uncomfortable, which we'll come back to with Lady Gaga. Yeah, she has some heat checks. Right. So Babs, Babs has some heat yeah, checks. Yeah, especially this. like the, that scene when she's playing this song for him for the first time and it doesn't have words. And it's just honestly four minutes uncut of Barbara Streisand strumming and like humming soulfully. I, that was that was hard for me to sit through. And that's a personal preference as much as a comment. See, on I thought movie. that stuff was hilarious. I, I think I enjoyed it because like some of it was so bad and she produced it herself. She's yeah. the most powerful woman in Hollywood exactly. when she makes that movie. Right. Her, she marries a hairdresser, John Peters, who becomes this huge studio executive. And they basically make this movie and nobody in her life is going, don't do that. You should exactly. probably take that out. Right. If this doesn't need to be your cabaret show and, for an hour and a half. And the movie has this song that becomes like one of the biggest songs of 1976 right. that's somehow not in the movie. Yeah. She sings like nine songs. <laughs> her ending song, it's Evergreen, right. which is like yes. one of her famous songs. And somehow they don't fit that in the movie, even though she filmed a scene with Evergreen. And then they kind of rammed it in the closing credits. So the, I think the movie was really successful, but was also critically... It was, Panned. it was, I think I, I looked this up and I think it was like the top like five the movie, of the year. movie of the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and was not, no, most people didn't care for it. But so for those of you listening, you don't know what the premise is. It was actually from a movie like in the twenties or thirties originally. Yeah. yeah. And then it was remade again with Judy Garland in the fifties. Older singer, older male singer mm -hmm. finds a female up and coming prodigy He's on the, you know, his career's ending. He's got drinking drugs issues or whatever. And then this younger person kind of invigorated somebody as a self-destructive. So it's actually a really good idea for a movie. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, this movie was so bad that they decided not to remake it again right. for 40 years. Here was the biggest problem, though. I, I turned it off at some point because it was not to my taste and I felt like I got the sense of it. But I watched about an hour and a half and while being both astonished at how much I did not like it, I, it was just also so abundantly clear to me why Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga were like, yeah, we need to remake this movie. We can do this. Yeah. And we can do a better I, version and of also, this. And also, I felt like that movie kind of is the best argument for the new A Star is Born is going to be a disaster. That's what I'm concerned about. Because if you if they fall into the same traps of Lady Gaga really being like, this is my moment and I need to be a movie star and sing 12 songs. And Bradley Cooper being like, this is my moment as a director. If it's all egomania, then I think... Maybe that'll be good. It, it could. Maybe that'll be good for I the movie. It, I mean, there's I like thing. when celebrities aren't self-aware because celebrities are so self-aware now that they're almost too self-aware. And here's a rare case of two non-self-aware celebrities who are really convinced this is going to be a massive blockbuster. I totally they think... Might I be think right. it's true. And I think there's a chance that it could... Honestly, they could just pull it off and they could make this totally self unself-aware but really earnest and exciting movie. And it could like actually work. I think the first two minutes of the trailer 
make the, it look like that. And I'm like, oh awesome. my God, it's going to be incredible. Until you get to the point where Lady Gaga is just, whoa. Uh, yeah, yeah. And suddenly it's a Lady Gaga movie instead of them living in this world. Well, no makeup with her though, right. which was the big, oh, man, almost like when amazing. Kiss took their makeup off. Did you read the LA Times piece today? There was a piece, it was kind of the first Lady Gaga profile and it starts with an anecdote where Lady Gaga showed up to her audition for A Star Is Born, and Bradley Cooper was ho- holding a makeup remover wipe in his hand and just hands it to her and says, "Take it off." And then she has to wipe her face clean of all her makeup, and he made her do that in the audition. Wow, he is having a heat check. This is—it's wild. This is amazing. God bless him, man. Ever since yeah. he was doing Sniper with Clint, I know he's really ready. Where are you on I his love it. skin in the trailer? I think he looks pretty good. I the thing with Bradley Cooper is he's not that old. Yeah, like he really might be the next Clint Eastwood. We don't know. He's he's only like forty three. He's done a lot of good stuff already. That's true. Like when he did it when when he hit with Hangover, he was thirty. I was shocked. I feel like he's like fifty. And he meanwhile, he looks fifty in that one shot in the trailer when the limo window yeah. rolls down and they got the lighting wrong and his face he's quite orange. Right. Yeah. Well, the thing is though, Christopherson. Was such good, he, was such good casting in that movie because yeah. he was really like that. He was falling apart in real life right. too, and was drunk in all the scenes, and right. he was really a mess. And Bradley Cooper is is this carefully kind of public person, constructed public persona, very controlled. Yes, you would never think of him as like, man, this guy. You know, it's almost like you. It should be like Johnny Depp. It couldn't be Johnny Depp anymore. But somebody right. who their personal life should bleed into the movie, and he's the, Bradley Cooper's the opposite. Right. He does have a little bit of. He's very controlled, and there's something under the surface that I think lends to his to all of his performances. So he's like controlled, but you don't really. He's not sharing. Yeah, he's but. he's one of the most famous actors or actresses that we have that I have no feel for as a human being at yeah. all. Like, I don't think he would ever come and sit on this couch and do a podcast with me for an hour and a half. So you should ask, but yeah. I'd be right. He's invited. Yeah. Bradley, come on. It'd be great. Do it. I'd love to talk to you. Yeah. But I think, I will say this. I think his singing in the trailer is pretty good. Yeah. Am I supposed to think that? I think it is. But the thing is, it's not far-fetched because when you think about all the people who act for a living, yeah, a lot of them probably did theater in high school and right. have skills. Yeah. So yeah, it is always shocking when somebody who doesn't normally sing sings well, but it also isn't completely illogical. I was more stunned that Lady Gaga is actually like attractive. Yeah. I thought she had all that all that shit in her hair and like the crazy outfits is usually stuff you do when you don't want people to see your face. Right. And but I, she's really pretty, I thought. I agree with you. And I think she's already been talking about and has talked about the idea that that was why she was doing it. She was insecure about the way that she looked. And she also, frankly, there are a lot of unkind people in the music industry who told her, we like the way you sound. We don't like the way you look. You got to hide your... So, yeah. And so she's talked about that, that the all of the performance images were a response to that. Don't you feel like that's the biggest asset this movie has? It's like, we have no history of this version of Lady Gaga. Yes. It's almost like an entirely new human being. And if you do a movie like this, you can't do it where it's like Bradley Cooper. I'm trying to think of a massively famous actress. Um, Who's in their like 30s? 
If it was, even if it was Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I was like, I have too much history with Jennifer Lawrence. No, now I, agree. I feel like it's Jennifer Lawrence playing a singer. Right. Whereas Lady Gaga, I feel like this is like this new human being I've never seen. I completely agree. And I think for me, the biggest or one of the biggest dangers of the the movie based on the trailer is that if Lady Gaga becomes too much a part of it, mm. I'm going to associate, you know, a fame monster with this movie. And it's you want a completely new person. But so she's still singing like Lady Gaga. I don't know how you get around that. This is a rare movie that is not a comic book movie. Right. It's not a thriller based on some book. It's not some sort of Oscar drama that you have to see because you want to know what happened in the Oscars. It's not a phenomenon like Get Out. It's not a horror movie. It's like an old school organic movie that doesn't really happen anymore that has big stars in it being stars and a big budget. And there's actual anticipation for it. It's kind of like a, in, in a weird way, a unicorn. I agree. And I think that's it's going to make money. It's going to do well. Re- yes, totally. And the part of the reason we're so excited for it is because we don't have movie stars anymore or we don't get them regularly. And it's it's their faces. It's none of the makeup like we were just talking about. Um, it is funny. It still is. It, do we count it as a sequel? It's a remake. I guess it's a remake. It's a remake. So It's a reimagination. You know, even, it's, it's funny that even... A, a remake feels so new just because it's been 30 years. If he pulls this off, I think I, this is crazy, but you could make the case he's the biggest male actor star in the world. Probably. Because you now you go, look, he was in one of the biggest comedies ever. Mm-hmm. American Sniper is one of the biggest, most successful pure action movies ever. And he won the Certainly. Oscar for it. Yeah. He's done a whole bunch of other dramatic stuff and has his chops there. And now he will have starred and directed in a super successful movie. I'm assuming it's critically reviewed well and assuming it does well. It's like it's like Leo DiCaprio, who I think is probably in the driver's seat now for that conversation. Probably among that Um, generation. Has not directed. Yeah. Has not done comedies. Does not have kind of the body of work. He's done mostly like dramas and really cool inventive stuff and action stuff, but not, not like that. I'm not saying Bradley Cooper is the biggest star in the world, but he'd at least be in like the discussion, which is also hard to believe. Sure. I guess the question is, after this, do you think of him as a movie star or a director? Because the other interesting thing about this movie is that I think it's really going to be about Lady Gaga. And the story is, without spoiling anything, sorry, it is about Lady Gaga. And it's about- Yeah, her rise. Yeah, her rise and his decline as a star. But he has to be good in it, though. Both of them have to be awesome He totally has to be good in it. But I think if he comes out of this as a success, I I feel like it's likelier that he will get directing accolades than- Like the Ben Affleck Argo Exactly. It seems like a real Affleck That's a win for him, though. Totally. Well, he seems like he's in the phase now where he's in the mountains somewhere and like, or in the hills and like Pacific Palisades or in Hollywood Hills. And he's inviting friends over to screen the movie. (laughs) Like I I want like an ego out of control, Bradley Cooper. I think you have it. Having a small screening tonight, I'm going to show the movie again. And he's watching it for the 480th time and gauging like Ben Affleck's reaction. Everybody has like a cam on their face for two hours for all reactions. Yeah, no, I think that's happening. And people show up and the crew is like, Steph Curry, yeah. Ben Affleck, oh boy. Uh, David Lynch. It's yeah. just all these fucking weird people that he invited. I really want him to go a little haywire. I think that's he's good going for us. To. That's good for the ringer. It's really good for us. I th- that part of again, again, part of the reason we're so excited is that 
it's August. It's late August. The movie's not coming out until October. And they're already telling the stories about the makeup wipes and the, you know, yeah. all of the preparation that they did for the movie. They're so in and there's a full month of this left. So yeah, they, they might have peaked too early. I don't think so. I just think there's going to be maybe not, even more we're doing of it. Random podcast yeah, about no, it right out August. It's, no, I think it's just going to keep going. So like who this. sees this movie? You and Zach Barron, your husband. Yes. The GQ's talented writer, Zach Barron. Yes. You definitely see this movie on a date. This is like Friday night dinner and a star is born. Oh my God. That's wow. We sound so old and sad when you put it that way. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, know I, my wife's going to make me go. I know my daughter is going to want to go. 100%. Yeah, because I think the lady I, Gaga. I think this movie's going to make a lot of money. I think it checks all of these different boxes for people who don't really go to the movies that much anymore, but will go for this one. I think that's very true. Because you'll get Lady Gaga fans. You'll get. Yeah, you have the whole Lady Gaga army. Right. Like that is not a, a lot small of people, group. And that's that's her dedicated fan base. Then there are a lot of people who just kind of, oh, Lady Gaga. I liked her music five years ago. And it seems like this would be a, a movie that I would like to go see. And I do think you're right. People are actually looking for movies that they would like to go see for a reason to go do to the Do women theater. see this movie together like in groups of four? Like, Do I, four friends go to see this or is this a date movie? know if it's like you know book club or crazy rich asians or one of those things where all the women are like making plans together the set when the sex in the city movie i remember that right was a big one. yeah or 50 shades of gray or whatever oh, yeah, but 50 shades i of gray saw that on one. opening night yeah, yeah, yeah. which was valentine's day hilariously with a friend but i don't know about that but i think people will just kind of make plans if they're curious i just think there'll be a lot of curious people the zoe simmons do her and her friends get excited for this movie? I mean, you know, I don't know if it's than on I. her radar yet. Was she old enough for Gaga? She's all about these Netflix movies now. I, I mean, I'm with her. I will say Netflix, um, they win all the awards. The Netflix algorithm is incredible. I, I talked mean, about this on the take and rewatchables that Shane and I did that's not up yet. The the what they've done, what they've figured out that people like my daughter, mm -hmm. who are who are their number one stop is Netflix. Mm -hmm. And now they have direct programming for them. With love triangles and people their age are close. Sure. And it's just genius. Let me just go ahead and say Zoe's not alone on that. It's also direct programming for me. Yeah. Set it up. Yes. How about my wife? To You're talking about I've a loved. forty a forty year age range of this is this is catnip. Because it's just they don't make movies like that anymore. Yeah. And they're easy and pleasant to watch. Uh oh, these people aren't supposed to date. Right. Oh no. Now they like each other, but he doesn't know. It's oh, great. I wonder if he's going to find I'll out in the wrong way. I watch that every time. That's a, <laughs> oh, my God, he did. The history of movies is wow. built on that. Make them forever. This might not work out. It oh, there's great. a dance. Yeah. Maybe it all makes sense. It's, it's the best. I love it. You just do it 19 different ways. Yeah. So I guess Amanda my, made a list at work of all the employees that she thinks are attractive. I didn't do the that. List got I didn't out. do that. Oh HR, my God. I didn't do that. The intern saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it'd be nephew Kyle. Yeah, making lists? No, nephew Kyle rom com. Oh, nephew Kyle makes if a I list. If I found your list, I wouldn't tell anybody. Thank you so much, Kyle. Kyle, you snitch. make a list of your favorite ringer employees. It falls out of your pocket at the dark room. Oh, a bartender sees the list gets in the wrong hands. They think it's somebody else's list. A girl thinks somebody oh, else. No. Where they, I mean, how many times can we make this movie? Every time my wife watches it, I watch them too. So many people do. This is the thing. It's the sometimes you just want something easy to watch. And for yeah. a long time, TV didn't figure off. that out. And movies didn't figure that out. Or they figured out in a certain way, which is like action movies or superhero movies. And those appeal to certain people. 
not to others. And so Netflix figured it out. I feel like- Set It Up was really the turning point for them. Yeah. It was like clearly the algorithm sped mm-hmm. out this script from some supercomputer. Yes. And they were just like, find two young stars. Yes. Here's the premise and just go. And we did this in nine months. Yes. Bang it out. It was great. I loved it. It's been, it's been watched. That set it up, Kissing Booth, and To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Yeah. It's like the holy trilogy in my house right now. I have my a, daughter's just throwing it on. I'm taking out in my house. It's set it up. To all the boys I've loved before. And then you're going to roll your eyes at this. But for the adults, they basically made a, um, it's a world, it's a World War II British one, but a love triangle. So it's Glenn Powell's also in that one. And Michelle Wiesman, a.k.a. the really hot guy from Dario from Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. And Matthew Good from The Crown. Yeah. And then Lily James, who was in Mamma Mia 2. This is a world... War two love World triangle. War two love what triangle. What channel is this on? This is on Netflix. Oh, my daughter Seriously. would watch this in so two seconds. Tra- literally, it goes from to all the boys I've loved before straight into. It's called the Guernsey potato peel. I don't know Guernsey potato peel something. Find it on Netflix. Glenn Powell's also in it. Wow. I all three this month. It was incredible. Netflix could spin these movies off into a sub Netflix channel, mm-hmm. and probably get an extra four ninety nine a month from my family. Probably Without for blinking. me as well, yeah. If they just produce one new one a month. I was going to say a week. If you want $4.99 a month for me, you got to make set it up once a week. But How you hard could is do it, it to pump out rom-coms? You could do it. I mean, it was very hard for Hollywood for a long time, apparently. Well, because they didn't make money anymore. Right. No, I know. But they're making money for me. Now it's thrillers, action movies, and rom-coms. Yeah. Just keep making them. Somebody's kid got taken. Right. Something's wrong no. in there. Some, some, there's a chest in the attic and somebody shouldn't have opened it. <laughs> Somebody's in love with somebody at work and somebody else found out. It's right. like, this yeah. is, you can do this all day. Mm-hmm. My friend Tendo just got the job running uh, films for Netflix. Oh, right. And uh, I'm going to take him out to lunch at some point and just write down on a cocktail napkin the three premises. She's like, dude, just bang these out for six years. You're good. Can't wait. Just do it. Um, anything else? So Star is Born is our number one favorite movie that we're most excited about. Anything, yes. anything else this fall? I'm excited about First Man. You know about that one? No, what's that? Damien Chazelle oh. of La La Land fame. Okay. It's about Neil Armstrong. Oh, yeah. Starring Ryan Gosling. It feels Oscar-y already. My girl, Claire Foy. It's Claire Foy season. Okay. Claire Foy from The Crown. Kyle Chandler's also in it. No, Coach. Corey Stoll. Do you remember him? Yeah. He's in House it. House of Cards, From, from House of Cards, yeah. yeah. He's in it. I don't know. It looks great. It, the trailer, there was a new trailer this First week. First Man, good title. First Man, yeah, very good. It got great reviews at Venice. I'm most excited for the Halloween remake, but that's right. a form of sickness. It's right. been in my life, you know, I my entire life. I think that's good. Listen, it's good to have things you're excited about. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm so excited. 40th anniversary, Jamie yeah. Lee's back. Very exciting. Amanda Dobbins, a pleasure as always. Phil, thank you. You're, you're a star that was born in the ringer that offices. That means so much to me. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about my bookie. People always ask me for advice. Usually it's what, team to bet on this week or what team not to bet on sometimes in my case when I'm ice cold. The truth is I don't know who's going to win, but if you think, you know, check out my bookie. Trust me. They're the best bet for this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. Their mobile site is easy to use. Not to mention they have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Lay down some cash, win big today. You win, they pay. Join now. My bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code Bill Simmons 
when creating your account to claim up to 1,000 in free play. That is my bookie, my bookie. And don't forget to use the promo code Bill Simmons when creating the account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Laura Wasser is here. I have no idea how this is going to work because you can barely say anything. But I, I'm going to make it work. I'm good. I have 12 years of podcasts. You'll I have, be surprised. I, I put can in say my 10,000 hours of, of Gladwell uh, training for this. You're the Disso Queen. Evidently, that's who I how am. How did that happen? How'd you get that nickname? You know, I think that uh, Harvey Levin, the guy from TMZ, gave me that nickname. Was I it? It's a dubious flattering honor. or derisive? No, I. I, I think he meant it to be flattering. Um, I, there's so many other queenie things I feel that I could be, but I'm the Dizzo queen. <laughs> so you are a, you're the most famous celebrity divorce lawyer, I would say, uh, but you are also There's a, a couple of New York lawyer. guys that are like pretty famous. I don't know. I don't really? know. You have competition? Again, that's a dubious honor. It's like the, being the most famous, like embalmer of dead people or something. Who wants to be the most famous divorce lawyer? Well, that, but that's mostly what you do, though. Here's what I aspire to what do. It, tell, me what, tell me how you want to be presented. I don't even care how I'm presented. What I want to do is change the face of divorce. I want to change how divorce is prevent, pre presented. And I don't want it to be like I'm coming in going, divorce is great, rah, rah, get divorced. But I do want it to be like, if this is happening, let's do it in a way that's a little bit more amicable and cost-effective so that people can co-parent, move on with their lives so it's not so debilitating. Divorce has been going on for a really long time, four or yeah. five generations. Why is it still stuck in the dark ages in terms of how we perceive it, in terms of our legal system, in terms of the court system? I mean, I was there three times last week on the same case. We never got heard because it's so clogged up. It's that clogged up? It's that Is that clogged just up. a California thing? Um, I don't think so. I think that it's worse here than it is in other places, but yeah. I've heard of it happening in other places as well. And and then you do get heard by a judge and you get some decision. And again, these judicial officers are brilliant, wonderful people, but with 15 minutes to read a file, how do they know what's best for your kid or yeah. your finances? And so plenty of times people walk out of the courtroom going, how did that just happen to me? I totally got screwed here. And I had to pay you, lawyer, to sit there for six hours before we got heard and through lunch and yeah. nothing even happened. So I, I figured there had to be a better way. So maybe your divorce guru. Maybe that. How's that? You like divorce that better? Guru. You want to yeah, put that on an index, guru? <laughs> index card? What made you get into this field? Are you a child of divorce? Um, I am a child of divorce, but my parents didn't get divorced till I was like 16 or 17. But my dad's a divorce lawyer. He was like oh. the divorce lawyer. So I actually- oh, he from previous generations? Yes. Surpri surprisingly, I went to work for him, which I never thought I would do. I mean, yeah. I never thought I'd be a lawyer, let alone be working with my father and now working, you know, being the managing partner at his firm. Yeah. But um, that happened. So it so happened actually because I got divorced. And that's what made you get interested in it. Well, I mean, it, it was more of a necessity than an interest. I was, <laughs> I was 25. I had been married for a year. My ex and I were still really good friends, but we were probably way too young to ever get married. It was a yeah. hell of a wedding, though. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny was there. Um, it, we had a lot of fun. We just forgot to talk about things like religion or yeah. finances or children or anything like that. Yeah. Like at one point we were talking about maybe <laughs> getting back together. And he goes, oh, when we get back together, you will change your name. And I was like, Ooh. what? We never even discussed that. It bothers you that I kept my name. So again, 
as I say to all of my clients who are getting divorced, as I say to the users of It's Over Easy, which is the website, which hopefully we'll get into yeah, at yeah, some yeah. point. Um, but w- communication. You have to talk. If you want to get married, you have to talk. Talk about the things that might go into a prenup. And if you don't need a prenup, talk about them anyway. Talk about what's happening during your relationship, your marriage, so that you communicate and it doesn't get like pushed down, resentment, 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 and you go out and do something stupid. Yeah. And then if it doesn't work, then communicate. Because again, maybe you'll be a better communicator with the person that you are raising kids with, even if you're not sleeping with them every night than you were during your marriage. I was just on the phone with the father of my 13-year-old because I called him and I said, I need to have my back here. My 13-year-old just told me this and he said this and da-da-da. Oh, they're the such of liars at age 13. I know. They're the worst. Middle of doing this podcast, he took a tone with me Ooh. and my ex was like, I'm on it. I mean, how great is that? You just, so wait a second, your 13-year-old took a tone with you and that was like an me. unusual moment? My 13-year-old is taking a tone all the time these days. Is your 13-year-old a boy or a girl? She, she daughter, comes on see? the podcast and she's a sweetheart. Everybody she's likes like, her. They don't see the other side no, of her. No, or they come, they go to somebody else's house and I get the text saying, oh, your kids, they're so polite. They're so wonderful. They're so wonderful. Said, yeah. What kids are those? Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> I am a child of divorce. My parents separated when I was... I think nine and a half. Okay. And that's how a bad was that? age. That's a terrible age. It's, re- it's really, you find out later, that's the number one worst age. Yes. Because you're just kind of smart enough to know what's going on, but just dumb enough to think everything's your fault. Yes. No, and, it's, it's, and it's, and it's just, you're getting into a certain time in terms of friends and socializing. That's a horrible time. People say to me all the time, should I stay together for my kids? And I always say no. But again, maybe if your kid's nine and a half, you should maybe wait it out another year. I, both of the kids I have, I, their dads and I split when each of them was two. That might, yeah. must be like my sell by easier. date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And neither of them really know much else than having parents in separate homes and all that. And then again, if your kids are older, it also is a little bit easier because at a certain point they become, as we were saying, teenagers and they're the center of their world and they don't really care too much about what's going on with their parents. Again, as long as the parents get along and as long as the parents are a united front, as long as the parents go, look, we're still a family. That's really hard to do, though. I, I was actually pretty lo- pretty fortunate for the most part, but I think I can see how it would go when the parents start using the kid to really try to hurt each other's feelings, which I'm sure is something that you've been dealing with for 25 years now. Yes, yes. And it's- look, That's you- the number one divorce issue, right? I think it's the number one divorce issue. I mean, then fold money into that equation somewhere. Most yes. people come to me and say like, the most important thing is my kids. And yeah. and a lot of them these days, which is one of the reasons we came up with the website, come in and go, we already got the kids. We're working with a co-parenting therapist. We figured out the schedule. We just need you to kind of write it up. We need your help with the support and dividing assets and that kind of stuff. So I thought to myself, if people are doing this on their own by virtue of mediation, if we give them a template for what might work for kids that are your kids, ages and what's going on with them, whatever, could they work these things out? And then could, if we gave them a template and the law and what works out for dividing your assets, for paying child and spousal support, could they do that? So it's almost like a form you fill out that anybody could do. Yeah. And so editsovereasy.com, that's the name of the website. But the reason this didn't exist is because lawyers made so much money from divorces. I don't think that's the only reason why it didn't it's exist. It's one of the biggest I reasons. Think it, yeah, like I've like cracked the big code here. The, Mo- so the other lawyers must hate you. They don't, because here's the thing. All of us have two or three calls a week from somebody going, hey, 
my assistant's getting divorced or my nanny's brother. These are lower income individuals who can't afford to pay my $850 ridiculous an hour. Okay. So now I have to find out. I don't have to pay that right now. You don't have to pay that right now. This is free. Okay. Great. I mean, do I get like a water or something? Yeah, you okay, get water okay, right there. Okay, cool. They spawn spring for yeah, you. It's almost like $850. It's a very small bottle of Poland Spring. I saw your big, big, big smart bottle. water. Well, some people get intimidated by the giant smart waters. Not me. Okay. I don't. All right, we can get you a smart okay. water. So, but in, in any event, yeah. So people can do it on their own. Yeah. Why wouldn't they want to? Like in 2013, I wrote a book called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way. And we had like a resounding response of like, Thank you for telling us this. We just want the what to expect when you're expecting of divorce, what to expect when you're divorcing. So that book did it a little bit. Then we created It's Over Easy so people can go online. It's overeasy.com. It's overeasy.com. Not only can you go on- not for eggs. Not for eggs. Not only can you go on and like do your divorce and get the forms all done in a better way than any, there are some form providers out there. You can click and you get all the forms, but they're really hard to fill out. So we have me- in like a pop-up that says like, hey guys, so you'll see on this form, which is the petition for dissolution of marriage, date of separation. I mean, most people will hopefully will know their date of marriage, but the next one is date of yeah. separation. So then I pop up and I say, in California, the date of separation is blah, 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 blah. So we give them the law so they can apply it to themselves, fill out the forms, work through it, mediate their divorce themselves and do it for either 750, 1500, 2500. Now that's a and pretty that's good it. saver. And you still get your high profile, big money celebrity clients. So you can juggle both, both I, sides I've, of the I've business. I've been juggling. There's not a lot of sleep happening, but there is a lot of juggling happening. I yeah, mean, you're in the news every once in a while. I know. There's like you're seven. You're not allowed to talk about it. I'm we not. can't talk about your clients. We can't talk about my clients. It's not, they're not that interesting. Can you interesting. talk about your dad's clients? No, I'm not. I can't talk about any clients of the firm. Would you want me to talk about you if you were a client? No, I would It'd be not. horrible. I would not. Yeah. So, but let's go through a hypothetical. So a celebrity comes to you yes, and says, I'm getting divorced from this other celebrity. We're together. How do you keep it from A, getting out? How do you keep the documents from, because the, the, like TMZ places like that, they have the sources in the, in the courthouse. The moment anything goes in, they just have the entire document. Yep. So what's your process for being discreet? My process for being discreet is one that I've worked of many years to develop, which is basically get everybody on the same page. We can kind of avoid the media if everyone's on the same page. I have had divorces where I've done the entire divorce before anything was filed. Then it's done. So the incentive for them to be on the same page is if they have kids. And especially yeah. if they have a, a kid who's somewhere between 10 and 14 who actually can Google the stuff. Correct. That's when you can lay the hammer on them. I think that's, like, you don't want this to right. go this way. And I think that's part of it. But I also think, look, if they're a public persona, even if they don't have kids, don't they kind of want to keep their stuff to themselves? I mean, do you really want everybody reading about every single thing that's going on in your life? No. So yes, for sure, with kids, more of a priority. Certainly, if you don't have kids, similar priority. If you've got any kind of partnership interest, a lot of celebrities will be co-producers on movies that they're working on or screenplays or whatever. You want to be able to facilitate that continued working relationship too. And it's totally possible. It's just a matter of, like I said, not letting the media stir it up. So the issue for you would be if it's contentious. Yes. And if one side was like, F that person, I'm just, I'm going in for the kill. I'm going to start leaking stuff. And I'd like to get some more publicity for myself is also part of it too. So One how person do you may be less that? famous. We do the best we can. I mean, it's become pretty evident who's leaking stuff, which side it's coming from these days. Yeah. So that's part of it. And, you know, the other part of it is, look, there's always going to be, we just did one article on the blog 
that I wrote called Co-Parenting with an Asshole. There's always maybe the possibility that your spouse is not going to be so easy going about it. You want to give it time. You want to do things at the right moment. There's always a point, I think, in every case where there's the settlement point. Yeah. You kind of know when that's going to be. And that's when you want to go in for the settlement. If it's right at the beginning and emotions are running high or somebody just started dating somebody else or somebody introduced the kids to the new boyfriend or girlfriend, not a good time to settle it. But if things are kind of calm. somebody's with the nanny. Somebody's with the nanny, not that's a good a tough time one. to better yeah, to fire the nanny. Yeah. The nanny's there every day. Wait, to the nannies out there, because I've never said this. Really? Like, yeah, come, come on. on, nannies. Come on. I don't know, except for one instance, where a nanny ever had like a long-standing relationship with the person after they got together. You are a pawn in this game, nanny. Don't go there. <laughs> Bad karma. All pairs, too. <laughs> All pairs, too, yes. So how do you think it happens where the court, where... How is it legal for a courthouse to have a document and give it to Harvey Levin? Because it's public. I mean, it's Harvey Levin. I'm, I, I'm assuming he's not the one going down there. It's a public document so in California. So he just has somebody in the courthouse. That as soon like as something's filed, goes, they boom. get it. Yeah. And it's not illegal to give it to them. Yeah. Now, there are some things in some cases, but only regarding custody that will be sealed. So you can't get them. But they, they get those too. I mean, you know. You really have to be careful what you say, because if people are interested in reading it, they're going to read it. And what happens if there's, so I would assume more and more people have prenups, right? A lot or is of people, that, or is still people don't get that? A lot of people don't get it. They're not very romantic. Um, they don't want to deal with it. I am a big proponent of prenups, not because I make money writing prenups. I don't need that. What I need is the knowledge that people are having conversations before they get married, having that communication. Like I said with me and my ex, we never talked about kids. We never talked about religion. We never right. talked about money. People get married. They 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 have a wedding. Gorgeous big Hollywood weddings, right? Yeah. And so you got they your plan cake. That. They got yeah, that's right. They and they plan it and they have contracts. They have contracts for the venue. They have contracts for the band. They have contracts for the for the dressmaker and and the cake and all of these things. But they're entering into a contract with each other when they get married and they don't even know what the terms are. Right. I have people that have been married twenty five years and they come in and say, "Wait a minute, I have to pay him support or." I have to split my pension with her or this screenplay that I wrote during our marriage, she owns half of that. Yeah, dude, that's the law in California. You might want to think about that before you get married. You got your entertainment attorney reading every provision of how many two, you know, first class tickets you get to Austin. Right. No one's figuring out what the law is when you get married. And California is 50-50, but not every state is that, Not right? every state is that. I think there's only nine community property states. We're rolling out into, right now, it's over easy. See, I'm bringing it back. Yeah. It's only in California and New York. And we're rolling out into eight to 10 other states by the end of this year, beginning of next year. And so we really are, New York's not community property. It's equitable distribution. California is. But there are still laws that attach to somebody in an equitable distribution state when you've done something or earned something during the marriage. What is the best state to get divorced in? Depends. Are you the person that has all the money? Oh, that's a good question. I guess there's too many variables. Well, there's like- well, Everybody says California is the worst and California and New York are like if, the, the two worst, basically. That's because California and New York are the two highest in terms of child and spousal support payments. Right. For example, I have a client who's sometimes here, sometimes in Nevada. In Nevada, the child support is capped at like $1,300 a month, and that's for super high earners. We have people that come here specifically for the point of giving birth here. Let's say you get knocked out by an NBA player. Come to California, ladies. What? An NBA if you're player here, would knock some, what? If, you, if you're here for six months and you can establish residency and you're raising that kid here, you're getting big, big money. Well, there was uh, an NBA star, Blake Griffin. It just came out. He was paying $3 million a year in child support, which seems 
high. It seems like that's that not seems true, a actually. A lot of money. You don't think that's true? That yeah, seemed like no, a lot I know of that's cash. Not true. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because he's making like 30 million bucks a year. California has a reasonable need standards for high earning parents and children. And so you have to look at what the children's reasonable needs would be. And you what and is, I have what children. What are reasonable needs? Again, reasonable needs in California can be a lot higher than they can be other places. I get that. But those numbers that you read about, Mr. Griffin, are just incorrect. My son, all he needs is a PS4, three pairs of underwear, um, those cheese, those long cheese strings yes. in the fr- in the fridge. And uh, what else does he need, Kyle? I think he covered it. Well, That's pretty uh, much shoes it, right? Shoes. Yeah. The, oh, Nikes. Yeah. yeah. He likes, he likes Air Jordans. So He's not like into Supreme or. No, or I, I think he could get by with like 5,000 a year. My daughter would be a little pricier. More, she'd price her. Now, now really amp it up and think about what a baby needs. Yeah. That's tough. No. Well, you need it. Well, you need the nanny for the you, baby. If, not if, if you don't have a full-time job, you don't it. need a nanny. Well, I'm saying if you're a rich, if you're married to a rich person. Right. But now you're, you're not the with the rich person and anymore and you're just the mom or dad that's the primary caretaker of the child. And you don't have a job, but you're getting tax-free support every month. You still need a nanny? No. Okay. Just See, checking. I understand mm-hmm. the no prenup thing. I do too. It's, it's not a fun conversation to have. I, I don't have one. Okay. I never would have. I just wouldn't have. At that point, like, why get married? That was that was my attitude. Like, if we're going to. If we're already going to legalize what's going to happen if this falls apart. Right. Let's not get married. Well, then you guys have a good partnership. And I hope that you stay together for a long well, time. Well, who knows? I mean, they, they, I get. I just want Kyle in the. If we ever get divorced, you I get, get Kyle. Well, Kyle's on her side. You, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Nephew Kyle. Yeah. So brothers, you mean you want to give Kyle son. to her? No, okay. I, he'd be a negotiating point. <laughs> I see. He, make, he could be the mediator. <laughs> Maybe he could. Yeah. That would uh, be good. No, but. I don't know. I, I can see the case for somebody being like, we can't do this. We can't have a prenup. I'm not getting married then. And then the other person folding and then all of a sudden they're on a prenup. That's, that's actually that does a TV happen. show plot. That does happen. You'll see that in TV shows sometimes. Okay. I hope. But then in, but then it'll always be the person had ulterior motives because right. it's usually like a lifetime movie or something. <laughs> right. I, I would say that if one person proposes a prenup and the other person vehemently is opposed, I would be worried. Well, yeah, that, Look, that Kyle's is shaking that, his head. Kyle yeah, agrees with me. That's that's smart. Remember that advice, Kyle. Yeah, I'm just happy you're not bringing up anything else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Kyle, we had some relationships. And here ups it goes. And downs here it comes. Well, he's not married though. <laughs> okay. We're, we're trying to. Uh, yeah, we're trying to intervene. What is your life like? Because you're in all these cases and you have all this information with all of these famous celebrities. Uh, and fortunately, you're at, you're at dinners and stuff. Yes. And that must be the number one thing people ask you, right? Like you were involved in the, we can say you were involved in the Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt divorce recently, and you're at a dinner. People must bring that up to you every time, right? And most of the time, people that I'm having dinner with know that I'm not going to talk about it. Luckily for me and more luckily- They're hoping after like two glasses of wine, maybe you start spilling. No, it'd be more than two, but I mean, (laughs) that's happened, but I haven't spilled. The thing is, most of my friends know I'm, and and hopefully my clients can rest assured that I'm incredibly self-absorbed. So I usually don't remember very much about their cases or their finances. And I certainly don't want to talk about them at dinner. So- It doesn't, you know, it it really is, it is rather unseemly, in my opinion, to either gossip, which would would be at a dinner party, or capitalize, which it would be on your show or other television shows or interviews, on somebody else's difficult time. That's just not my thing. Do you feel like a divorce is happening, 
but they haven't, and then they come to you. But you have this whole history just as a fan of the two celebrities and the wrong person came to you and you're like, oh, I wish it had been the other one. Does that ever happen? That has happened. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like if Red Sox versus Yankees and I had to root for the Yankees right. for, oh. yeah. for, for like a weekend or right. something. So that has happened. So then you just do your job. You put your head down. Sometimes. I mean, look, I'm really lucky. Usually it's not somebody that just calls me. Their, their person, their representative will call yeah. the office. We have to do a conflict check. And there have been times where my assistant has said to me, so-and-so's manager called, wants to do, have a meeting. And I will say, wait for the spouse. <laughs> yeah, let's let's drag this along. <laughs> Not drag it along. Let's just see. Has he or she retained anybody yet? I mean, I, you know, I'm lucky that I can pick and choose. So yeah. I would rather, you know, choose the so other So you have a sometimes. cap? How many do you, how many, is there like a number where you're like, I don't want to go over this number? In terms of how many we take? How many clients you have? Yeah. Well, I mean, even right now, I am absolutely inundated because I'm spending so much time with It's Over Easy. And we do a podcast as well, as I told you, called The Divorce Sucks Podcast with Laura Wasser. So that's really- I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm going to have you come on my podcast. The Divorce Sucks. Yes. I'm not getting divorced. You don't I'd be have a bad to get guest. divorced. I just talk about how my parents got divorced. That, you could talk about that. You could talk about how to make your the relationship work for all these years. It doesn't only have to be about divorce. When Johnny came up with the idea to have the podcast, it was like, let's have professionals in this area. Let's have normal people and let's have celebrities. You'd, you'd be in the third, just so you know. So you'd be yeah. you know, talking about relationships, marriages, new chapters, child rearing, money, you know, vacations, all those kind of things on our podcast. Is it true that some people get divorced right before the 10 year mark in California? We've seen that with celebrities. Is that, I never know if that's an urban legend or not, where think, like they don't want to hit the right. 10 year mark. So they'd file it really quickly. It's not an urban legend. There is some truth in it. However, many of the cases you've heard it ascribed to, it's just a misnomer. Yeah. Yes. There is something in California that is not a bright line rule that says if you've been married for more than 10 years, that is considered to be a long-term marriage. Now that can sometimes be nine and a half years. Yeah. And sometimes an 11 year marriage can be considered not necessarily a long term marriage. All it has to do with is support generally. And again, no rule or statute about this. If you've been married in a long term marriage, which is generally about 10 years, then you will pay support for more than half the length of the marriage. But if it's like eight years, you get support for about four. Again, none of this is a bright line. And some of the cases that you've read it about where one person or the other goes running in right before 10 years, it turns out that those people had prenups anyway. So the 10-year thing wasn't going to be an issue, but everyone likes to make a big deal about it. What about palimony? What about palimony? Because I remember when I was a kid, Lee Marvin... The Marvin versus Marvin. And then that was do you the remember case, right? Billie Jean King, yeah, Gallimony. Yeah, yeah. That was oh, one yeah. of my dad's case. I guess we can't talk about my dad's clients. That was Dennis Wasser did that case. Um, well, the good thing about that case is that you could realize that same-sex couples have the same shitty issues that we have when it yeah, comes yeah, to yeah. breaking up. Um, in terms of a Marvin case, people say to me all the time, oh, well, common law marriage. I've lived with him for seven years. I've lived with him for 10 years. There's no such thing as common law marriage in California. Living with someone for a certain period of time doesn't automatically make it so that you're married. There you go, Kyle. You're good there, Kyle. And, and, but what could happen is you could find yourself in a Marvin case, which is a palimony claim, which has nothing to do with family law. This is a civil contract case yeah. where one person says he or she promised, made a contract, either oral or implied that he would take care of me forever, that everything he earned was half mine, blah, blah, blah. And you, and you don't even have to present any real evidence for you that? Have, well, to win you do. So- 
they're, they're can, not very well received by civil courts. You would need a document. Well, people, well, you'd need a document or you need some real hardcore evidence just besides the fact you were living there. What would happen a lot was in the same sex community, people would come in with palimony cases and say, we couldn't get married. So he promised that he'd take care of me. Right. Now that same sex couples can get married, you have less of those cases. Because the thought is by judges and these cases sometimes have juries. If you wanted to be treated like you were married, you would have gotten married. Right. So clearly the fact but that- But the same sex thing's interesting though, because if they couldn't get married, then that's yeah. now that's wide open for anybody. Yep. I don't like palimony cases. To me, it's kind of like, if you were going to get married, you should have gotten married. Don't come back later and go, oh, well, I, I, I thought we were married. No, you didn't. So you just swat the palimony cases away? Well, I try- That's beneath I mean, me. <laughs> it's not beneath me. Look, I am just, I believe that that adults make decisions and make deals and should be people of their word. I also don't love it when someone comes in with a prenup and says, I didn't know, I didn't understand, I didn't know what I was signing. You signed the prenup. You knew right. what you were signing. You just don't like the deal you made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long is a prenup? What do you mean? How long is it? Like, what is it? Do you just print it out on the internet or does a oh. lawyer have to do that? No, it's one of the reasons that we don't have prenuptial agreements on it's over easy, because even though we like people to be able to do it yourself, we don't have them because you must have an attorney in the state of California. Both parties must be represented. So you do need a lawyer. You can print one out and take it to a lawyer and the lawyer can go, yeah, looks good. Pay me X amount of dollars and I'll sign off on it for you. But both parties must be represented in California to have a valid prenup. What is the thing they have now where you can get the judge out of the courtroom? You pay extra no, for a not, judge so that it it's not doesn't go judges. public. It's Explain private. that one. It's retired judges. Okay? Yeah. So you can't get one out of the courtroom. But what, is that, what is that whole side of things? It's We do it a lot. You ask, like, how do you keep it quiet, whatever. We do it in my office or in one of the arbitration venues, which people that know family law have been judges for family law for many, many years. They retire. So they take themselves out of the system and they bill an hourly rate to come and either mediate or judge your case. Then you don't sit around waiting all day. Then you don't have the public involved so in the So it's like room. TSA for divorce. Yeah. Or clear even. Well, yes. You get to, you get to skip the lines. Yes, you get to skip the lines. Um, you pay more money for it. And again, it's the being in the system has a lot of things that go along with it. Some people enjoy being in the system. They want to be treated exactly like everybody else. These retired judicial officers are fantastic in that they've done it for so many years and they can say, if they're like mediating, I sat on the bench for 30 years. Here's what I would do if you came into my courtroom. And right. then people are like, whoa, okay, good, good point, good point. I would imagine the internet has made this a thousand times more complicated than when you started because so many things can get leaked and put out there and- and also the line of what is publishable has right. gone way, way down and message boards and basically what everything that makes the internet lousy. Right. Only from a media standpoint has it made it more difficult. Again, I'm a lawyer. I'm not a publicist. I can say to people like, I don't think it's going to be great for your image if this is online. But at the end of the day, our judicial officers, California is a no-fault state. The fact that so-and-so cheated on so-and-so or was at a club drunk or whatever, it doesn't really matter for my case. It matters for them. But doesn't matter to me. But if My it gets thing, more contentious, that's bad for you, isn't it? I or guess you it, don't care. No, no, I, I care because I want to keep it. I want to keep it level. But it's going to be contentious whether it's media or not media. I think for that, people are going through a hard time. My job is to try to get them to focus on the legal aspect of the deal that we're going to make and get them out of it. And that's why we have it's over easy, which is a good thing about the internet because you can go online and you can read about other people going through your situation. You can have our service providers from the index come in and tell you what spray tan you should get if you're going to be dating again, what dating app you should use, who can help you get insurance now that it's not available Sounds through like your spouse's It is kind of goop for divorce. 
<laughs> have you ever been at the 11th and a half hour and the couple got back together and that yes. was it? Yes. How often does that happen? I've done an entire divorce judgment for a couple. It was done. And they got back together and they've been happily together ever since. I mean, and again, neither one of them was motivated by finances because they both were going to be walking away with a lot. Have you ever done a divorce? You know and them. Then, I know them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done a divorce and the couple got back together? And got married again? And got married again? Yes. Remarried? A yes. second marriage? A yes. Richard Burton, Elizabeth Taylor? <laughs> yeah, like one of those. Situation? They weren't mine. I was a little bit Yeah, you're really yeah. young for that one. <laughs> So yes. that's so that happens. Mm-hmm. I'm always amazed by that. I am too. You hit rock bottom and then you just rally back and you're like, you know what? On second thought, let's spend the rest of our lives well, together. There's a saying that my dad always says, which is second marriages are a triumph of hope over experience. Now apply that to second marriages to the same person. Super hope over, over experience. Have you been in a situation where a couple you were friends with decided to get divorced and it became a race to ask you who, who, which side, so you almost had to pick a side. Yes. But I, here's the thing. I made a, an agreement stay away, right? a long time ago with my exes that more than just friends, anybody that we ever had dinner with and anybody that's in any of either of my kids school class, I don't, I don't represent any of them. I will refer them to other people. I will counsel them if they need help with mediation, as I've done with many of our couple friends, but I will not represent a friend or even, like I said, a school, you know, because I don't want my kid to be in school with one of the parents is like hating on me. Has there ever been a case that had so much publicity that you actually were like, I'm out. This is too much for me. No. That wasn't the reason that I've gotten out of cases that I've gotten out of that had to do with publicity. It's not my publicity. I mean, I don't like it, but I, you know. So you don't care. They don't care about me. They care about the people. Has there ever been a case that it was so contentious, you actually worried for the safety of one of the people and felt like you had to talk to the police about it? Uh, Yes to the first part, but I never talked to the police. I worried about the safety. I worry about the safety of clients often. One of our clients is currently in jail because after a settlement conference, his wife was killed in a parking lot, stabbed by someone that had been hired, which is all I can say about it. You don't know the people, but they're not famous, but yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Never are you more frustrated and hateful and vengeful than when you're going through a situation with someone who you know so well and used to love so much. Right. I mean, think about it. You and then know kids are involved. Kids are involved. Money's involved. People often say it's about the kids, but a lot of times what happens is the kids they know are going to be fine. Now it's how much money am I going to have? What happens if somebody got divorced like four times? What happens? And they already cut their pie up and then they cut it up again and then a fourth time. How do you cut the money up? That would, no, you cut is it. it fi- you get divorced the first time and they get 50%. And then the second time and it's divorced, they get 50% of the 50%. Right. So that's like, down to it's 25%. Like one of those, it's like one of those like kids things where you keep dividing it up. Or remember what were the commercials where I told two friends and they told two friends and they right. told, that's what it's like. So yes, if it's a very wealthy individual starting out on divorce one, unless he or she is continuing to generate more income and divorces three, you know, two through seven, at the end, it's just going to be a poor guy that got married. He so you want to be the kid. first wife, basically. Yeah. Well, you, you don't you, want to be fourth. No, you don't want to be fourth. Although some people don't make a, they don't really kick in until later. Second wife is probably like the sweet spot. I'm going to say. Second, second yeah. wife's the sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, when the role reversal flip of the woman has all the money 
and you have the dude who's like some dancer they met on the on the tour. Like it happens the, all the time. The, the guy who holds the boom mic on their set, and then that person's just going after it full. Yeah, that happens all the time. And that's often the person that won't take it out of the system. That's often the person that's looking for a little more publicity. You have to worry about some leveraging there. But here's another good one. Couple, they get married right out of college or graduate school. They're both superstars. Yeah. And for whatever reason, wife kind of shoots to unbelievable superstardom and husband decides he's going to be a musician or wants to write a screenplay and basically spends most of the day in his underwear on the couch. Now they have a couple kids. He's not a stay-home parent. They still have a nanny and a housekeeper and everything else. He's still on the couch in his underwear. So 10 years hence, she comes to me. She says, I got to get this albatross off from around my neck. Can you help me out? I say, absolutely. We're going to split everything you made over the past 10 years. We're going to pay him child support because he's going to have the kids by the time we're going to pay him spousal support. We're going to split your, your retirement accounts. And she goes, what? I thought I was getting the albatross from off from around my neck. And I said, I'm sorry, did you think because you had a vagina you were going to be treated differently than the breadwinners from all of eternity? This right. is what all the guys have been bitching about forever. Read the contract. This is the deal. The albatross remains. Have you... I, so here's my... my uh, I have a theory. Let's hear it. About when actors get married, actor-actress, and they're relatively the same career side. But then eventually one always ascends the other a little bit. And if they start out equal or they start out way up here and then one drops or the other goes up, I don't think it can last more than five years. And why is that? I won't tell you who the theory is named after because you might have represented them. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just think, I think it's a total ego thing. And do you think I think actors is, are competitive with each other. That's because of the nature of being an actor, you think? Yeah. Uh -huh. I think it's too hard to stay together if they were equal at one point, but then one went up. I once had a therapist tell me that every relationship has one flower and one gardener. And I was like, oh, that's so lame. But it kind of makes sense. Like you have the gardener that's watering and nurturing, and then you have the flower that's growing. If you have two flowers, who's watering? Can flowers really water each other? Well, I mean, I don't know. Especially when they're not in the same place. Yes. Yeah, on location. Kyle, are I you a flower or a gardener? I like to think myself of a flower, but I think I'm probably a gardener in my situation. Wow. We think about that. In your situation. So if you were in a different situation, <laughs> would you be more of a flower? I think you need to let your flower flag fly. Wow. I just don't want you to get hit by a pot. <laughs> or, or, a a pot. or a hex. <laughs> um, what are, create, rank these from wow, this people represent for how, the, how crazy the divorce could get. Actors, rappers, athletes, musicians. Ooh, well, rappers and musicians are the same. I have to put them in the same okay. thing. I don't find that, they, I really do. I think that my rapper clients and my musician clients, in terms of how crazy it could get, I'll put it this way. I can't rate that, but I can say this. My athlete clients are really good soldiers, okay? I don't Because they're used to being them. coached. They're used to being coached. I text them. We text almost exclusively, my, my, my athlete clients. They do what I say. And they are, they let me be their coach. One of them even called me doc because yeah. yeah. So that's what, they're great. My musician clients are definitely more emotional about things. I know everything about my musician clients, like weird sexual proclivities, Ooh. who they slept with, what they did. It's like they, 
I, I don't know if it's the touring or the music. And again, it also varies between like drummers versus lead singers or whatever, but very, very sensitive, but also like nice people and really do want to do the best. Actors, there's a wide array because there's a bunch of different personalities in acting. And also you never know who you're going to get. If someone's in one role, he or she can be totally different that month than from another one. I like actors that are a little more seasoned because they know how to deal with media actors that are parents. Hmm. I find more easy to work with because they really do prioritize kids. Once you become a parent, you kind of get the gist of like, it's not always all about me. Some of them, maybe not, but for the most part, young actors, that's when it can get crazy. Have you, have you, um, what is the word represent? Have I represented? Yeah. Is that the right word? Yeah. What's the right verb? Those are my clients. I represented. Yeah. Have you ever represented an actor who is gay who married somebody as beard and then they broke up, but they had to keep it quiet that 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 it was a beard relationship. Or is that all just stuff that's on the I internet think that's and doesn't like actually from happen? The 50s. I don't even that know that happen happens anymore. anymore. I don't I haven't People had a think client. that happens though. I know. Well I, yeah, I mean, no, that's never happened to me. I've never I know what you mean, but I yeah. feel like that's something that would have happened like with Rock Hudson back in like you know I, <laughs> I think it did happen <laughs> I with probably Rock did. Hudson. No, I've never had anyone come to me and go like, by the way, I'm secretly gay and we just don't want anyone to know. <laughs> What what has been the biggest high profile gay divorce since we've had gay marriage? Has um, there been one? I feel like we haven't had our signature one yet. No, I will say this. Do you and want get, this water? Did you have any of it? Yet? I didn't touch it. Okay, I would have still drank from that. No, I want you to yeah. have it. Um, then you can take it home. That's my parting you. gift oh, thank to you. you. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think. Has of, it happened? We're due. It's going to happen. The reason, so. Do you think that perhaps gay people, gay and lesbian people may have, A, more respect for the institution because there was such a fight to get there, and B, may, even if they do end up getting divorced, may feel like they're not going to play it out through the media like we heteros have done for so many years because they're just smarter than that? Is that too broad of a generalization? I think there's way less gay celebrities. Right. That could be the case. Yeah. I mean, in at, in sports, there's really no high profile one at all. We don't right. have one yet. Actors, actresses, even if they were gay, I think a lot of them wouldn't even be public about it. Right. So that's probably why. You know, it's interesting. I told some people you were coming on and, and I was like, but you can't talk about our clients. It's privileged. They were like, how are you going to get a pot out there? And I'm like, I think divorce is interesting. I'm a child of divorce. I think what, 50% of people get divorced. Mm -hmm. It's this thing that's in our lives all the time, but nobody ever talks about it. It's just kind of over here and it's unseemly. And it, I don't feel like it should be unseemly. I don't either. It's kind of like being, I know I likened myself before to an embalmer, but it's more like being, and again, I don't think I'm an oncologist. I don't think I'm saving the world like oncologists do. Yeah. But if you have cancer, you need to go to an oncologist. It's yeah. not like oncologists are going out there hoping for people to get cancer. They want right. to help. If you are getting divorced- we at It's Over Easy and we at my law firm want to help you do it in a way that saves you money and saves you aggravation. That's all this is about. And I think to do that, to change the face of divorce, what am I, the diso guru? Is it diso queen. Pe people, no, but I, we, have, we changed diso, that during this podcast. No, you're just guru. the divorce guru. Okay. Sounds so to do that, people need to educate Separation them. guru. There you go. Separation guru. Because it's not always divorce. I wasn't married to either of my two baby daddies. We're, we, but it was still painful when we broke up and we still had to navigate and communicate how to co-parent and financial issues and all that kind of stuff. So communication is key. Education is key. 
learn about this stuff, go online, come to It's Over Easy, read about the people that you may be able to get to help you through it yeah. and, and communicate with your co-parent, particularly if you've got kids, absolutely. I say to people all the time, this is not a fender bender where you're never gonna see this asshole again. This person's gonna be in your life forever, not just till your kids are 18. I don't know about you, I walked down the aisle when I was 25, both parents were there. I had two kids, both parents were there in the in the delivery room. Everybody's there. You got and we all have Thanksgiving together every year. Yeah. Both my parents, both of their spouses, both of the fathers of both of my kids. I mean, you got to make it I work. I had my my step parents and my parents all like when I graduated high school, college, yeah. we're all together having dinner. I think some people thought it was weird. Some people it thought it was, was weird, weird, and they think it's less weird today because yeah. what I say to people is everything's less weird today. The more people who love your kids, the better. Why not? Why not have a bigger tribe? It's just another person you can call up and go, "Hey, I got an early court appearance. Can you come watch my kid for a couple?" With of hours? that said, being a step parent is is. It's a tough one. It's a tough one, but it doesn't kids have are, to be. Kids are mean. I know I did some stuff. You're not my dad. Right. A lot of that stuff. Right. Of course you did. Don't talk to me like that. I forgot to ask you this. If let's say a couple, a couple is together, they get married before the person hits it big. Person hits it, it hits it big, buys a sports team, has the sports team for 10 years, has like the Clippers. Then they get divorced. Does the wife get half of the Clippers? Did they have a prenup? No prenup. And he bought the Clippers with money he that he made the during the during marriage? During the marriage. Yes, it's community property. So why doesn't that happen more often? Why doesn't what happen more often? Where the where somebody gets divorced and the wife actually gets like half the team. That was part of the whole, don't you remember the Sterlings? She was going to get the team for a minute. Yeah, but it didn't happen. Because they sold the team. Right. Because and the then team she was about to money. take a dive. We, but that's the thing. But we haven't seen the situation where the guy's like, I'm not selling the team. All right. That's your TV show plot. I feel like that was the plot of First and Ten in the 80s. Remember that? Okay. No. Either it was a divorce or the husband died. It was this football show that HBO had right. that uh, OJ Simpson happened to be on. Okay. But, um, but yeah, it was a female owner that took over. Well, we see more female owners these days. Yeah, not that many. Okay. Maybe it would be more fun if we had them. All right. So plug your plug your book from six years ago, five years ago. Yeah, the book is called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way. The podcast is called The Divorce Sucks Podcast with Laura Wasser. And most importantly, the website is called itsovereasy.com. If you have any questions, interest, anxiety about getting divorced, please come check us out. We want to change the face of divorce and we want to help out and we want to be there for you. So itsovereasy.com. Thank you Who's for having me. Who's your biggest me. rival? I don't have a biggest who rival. Have, who would you have been the most mad if I had on a podcast that's on your corner? You have to have one. I don't. I want you to have everybody. Johnny, I'm not just trying to be. No competition. <laughs> that's not even it, though. Even if the there were. The queen has no competition. E even if there were, I'd want you to have them on the podcast. <laughs> Unbelievable. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much to Robert Mays, Amanda Dobbins, and Laura Wasser. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Starbucks Double Shot. Starts with bold Starbucks coffee, blended with milk for a smooth, creamy, delicious flavor, enhanced with ginseng, guarana, and B vitamins. Listen, man, everyone needs energy from time to time. Nice to have in your fridge. Starbucks Double Shot energy to do the things you actually do. Find it in your local convenience store. Don't forget about the Dave Chang show with David Cho and myself. Don't forget about the rewatchables taken. Good luck. Don't forget about that. Don't forget about football season. Guess the lines coming up. Don't forget about the ringer.com. Drive safely this weekend. Labor Day. Don't go nuts. 
I want you to hear my Tuesday podcast. Be safe. Enjoy the weekend.